So we are coming up on a new school year this year, and that is fast approaching. The summer is, is coming to a close very soon, and so we have a new year of school to prepare for. And each year, we try hard to make sure we are um, giving some special attention to our kids and to make sure that we are giving them the lessons from the Bible that they need to be ready for what they are going to do. And this year is no different. We want to give some special attention. So today, in the next two weeks, we'll have some lessons directed at our kids at the 915. They'll be useful for everyone, but they're chosen with the kids in mind specifically. So for today's lesson, we're going to do that with the help of some of our younger students that will be doing scripture readings and prayers throughout the lesson along with me. Um, so today our topic is simply, what does God say about children? And so we're going to look at four different verses from the Bible that help us see what God says about children, and we can use that to inform our thinking going into the new school year. But before we have our first reading, Caden Bray is going to lead us in a prayer, and then Aaron Watkins will have our first reading directly after that. Caden? Please help those who have... Please help those who have... To who have to have surgery and help the sick, help them to get better. Please help those who have suffered a loss, help them to get better. Help the travelers and keep them safe with you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for keeping us all healthy, and thank you for our parents and the rest of our family for taking care of us. Thank you for our food, water, and shelter. Thank you for the elders and the work they do. Please forgive us for our sins, and thank you for your son Jesus dying on the cross. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I will be reading from Matthew 19, verse 14. And I'll be reading from the New International Readers Version. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Don't keep them away. The kingdom of heaven belongs to people like them. All right, so our first reading starts with an important word. But Jesus said, so there is something that we need to see together. So I'm going to back up just a little bit, expand our reading so we can see our context together. Jesus is responding to something here in Matthew chapter 19. So these children were brought to him so that he might lay hands on them and pray. So people were bringing their kids to Jesus. People were bringing their children before him so that they might have an interaction with him. They were wanting Jesus to touch their children, to have pray over their children, to have a special impact on them. And these people were hoping for a good interaction with Jesus for their children. They wanted the best for their children, and they wanted their best for their children to come from Jesus. And who can blame them, right? That these parents wanted this special interaction that their children might know Jesus. Wouldn't you parents want to take your kids directly to the feet of Jesus so that he could touch them and pray over them and they could have that interaction with him? That would be something that they could build their faith on for the rest of their lives. This is important, and this is important to the parents. But there's a problem. The disciples rebuke them upon them coming close to Jesus. Why would they do that? Why would the disciples try to stop these children? There might be two reasons. Number one, they know how busy Jesus is. Back in the beginning of chapter 19, we saw Jesus have large crowds surrounding him and he was healing great multitudes of people left and right and everyone was coming to him. And so Jesus 
was the center of attention in large crowds. Many disciples maybe thought that he needed a break. They saw Jesus busy, and they saw him tired. They knew how draining these things could be. They saw Jesus need times of solitude where he would go by himself to pray. And so maybe they said Jesus needs a break. Or maybe they knew how important Jesus was. That right after Jesus had healed the crowds, he had had a difficult conversation with the Pharisees. A difficult conversation considering divorce and marriage. And the disciples said, who can even be married at the end of, these, at the end of this conversation? And so, as soon as this conversation ends, as soon as this difficult topic is maybe wrapped up, maybe not, these children come up asking to come close to Jesus. So maybe the disciples are simply saying, we're in the middle of something important here. Give us a minute. We need Jesus to finish his thought because we want some clarification on what is going on here. Maybe they thought he was too important because he was just dealing with the Pharisees and these difficult concepts. But Jesus turns all of that on its head when he says, no, let the children come close to me. And he says that they should not hinder them from coming. So verses 14 and 15 show us what Jesus thinks about the children coming. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. So Jesus wants the children to come because they are the type of people that the kingdom of heaven will belong to. And he, they are the type of people that he wants to have a relationship with. So that's what we need to start with. He lays his hands on these children. He wants them to come closer. And he wants to pray for them. What a blessing that these children have to have this close interaction with Jesus. What's amazing to me is Jesus didn't do anything miraculous here that we know of. He didn't heal any of the children. He didn't do anything that would have been an astounding visual, outstanding visual that they would have remembered forever. But what he does is so simple and powerful in its simplicity that he just invites them closer. And I think that's a valuable lesson for us. That's a lesson that we need to start with today for our, for our young ones, is that is God wants you to come closer. God wants you to come closer. He wants to have a relationship with you. He didn't choose these children to come close because they had some deep question that they needed to ask or some desperate recognition of their faith that they need to come forward and be healed. He wanted them to come closer just because he cared for them and he loved them and wanted them to be near to him. So to our young ones, our lesson from our first reading is simply this. You are important to God. He wants you to come close, and he wants you to be near to him. Alex Grigowski is going to come and read our next passage for us. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Psalm 127 is a psalm of Solomon. It is a message of this psalm that is interesting, and it starts with a word that is probably the most attributed to Solomon, and that is vanity. The word vanity shows up in this psalm twice. So just quickly, I want us to see the message of this psalm so we can see the message to the children. So unless the Lord builds a house, it is in vain. This informs our reading that Alex just did for us. 
So it's interesting to see that there are three things in this psalm that are vital to our world. First, building. Second, security. And third, family. And so the building, the security, and the family are important. But we know that Solomon made crucial mistakes in all three of these areas in his life. 1 Kings chapter 9 talks about all the building projects that Solomon undertook. And all of them were leading to the dividing of the kingdom under Rehoboam. Because Rehoboam said, I'm going to work the, the Israelites even harder because of I want to build more. 1 Kings chapter 11 talks about the security and the family that he had been building in vain. Verse 9 says, And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, uh, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice, and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods. But he did not keep what the Lord commanded. Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, Since this has been your practice, and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes that I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and will give it to your servant. Solomon shows us what happens if we build on the wrong things. If we build not following God, it is in vain. These things are torn away from him. These things are removed from his name. And so we see that in the first part of this psalm. These two halves of this psalm seem separate. I mean, the first half is about building and, and security of a city, and then it switches to children. But the Hebrew word for build and the Hebrew word for children is very similar. And so these two things are intended to be paralleled, and we can apply to one to the other. Unless the Lord builds the family, those labor in vain. And so we can see them connected as a result. Because where do the children come from? The children are a heritage from the Lord. And so God has built that which we have. And so it's important to start with that. Just as we learn from Jesus in Matthew chapter 19, children are valuable in God's eyes. They're called a gift. They are called a reward. Children are valuable from God. And they are valuable for families too. And so what does that mean for kids? And so Solomon uses an interesting example, an interesting image to talk about what children are. And they are like arrows in a quiver. They are part of a warrior's um, equipment. And that's a fascinating image for children. That's something that is useful for us to unpack and to see what they can be. So you are arrows in the hands of a warrior. Isn't that interesting? So that shows us that they can be capable to be a part of the task your parents are taking part in. That you can be sent to do a task, right? The arrow is sent away from the archer, and so you are sent away from your parent, and you are expected to complete the task that you are sent on. And when you do that, you are taught to do it where you are sent, that you are bringing your parents honor. That's what it says in the last part of this. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. His children have met the mark. They have been successful in their task. And so that is our first challenge for you today. Will you meet the mark when you are sent from your arrow, we'll say. And that is what we can see from Psalm 127. Cole Merle is going to read our next passage for us. 
from Colossians chapter 3. Today I'll be reading from Colossians chapter 3, verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. So in this passage, Paul is writing to the church in Colossae. And he has some direction for the families there in chapter 3. So he starts with wives and husbands and how they treat each other. And he's been writing these important things on how to follow Jesus in Colossae. But then he shifts to, uh, to uh, address the children, which shows us immediately that the children get attention from Paul too. Paul feels like he should write to the children, that they have something important that they should be doing as well. That's something important for the letter to the Colossians. So he cares about the children as well, just like God does. So what does he write to them? He tells them to obey your parents. That sounds like such a simple thing. We've probably all heard that a hundred times. Obey your parents. But is that an easy thing to do all the time? Of course not. That's something that we have to take effort in and work towards. Obey your parents means you have to listen to them even if you don't want to. And so, that shows us if we have homework that needs to be done and you are told that you have to do it before you can go play, that you have to listen even if you don't want to. And let me tell you, it will continue to be difficult from time to time where you are going to um, struggle with this not just when you're 9 or 10 or 11 but all the way throughout your childhood because it is something that you have to take effort to do to obey your children obey your parents not your children I don't know what that slip was but that was something but let, uh, so listen to some of the Proverbs that talk about listening to your parents. Proverbs chapter 1, starting in verse 8. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. For they are graceful, garland for your head, and pendants for your neck. Proverbs chapter 4, and verse 1. Hear, O son, a father's instruction, and be attentive, attentive that you may gain insight. And then in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul gives a similar instruction to the, to the children in Ephesians. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. I bring this up to say, honoring your father and mother, obeying your parents, has gone back a long time. This goes back, not Paul just making it up on the spot, okay, now you need to obey your parents. But this went all the way back to the law of Moses in the Ten Commandments themselves and then went back even into Genesis where we can see the expectation was for the children to obey their parents, to honor them. And when they didn't, we had messy stories in Genesis. But there are benefits in each of these three readings that we did that we can see. These instructions in Proverbs chapter 1 are a graceful garland, garland and a pendant for your neck. They are uh, adorning you. They are um, helpful to you. They help you to live. In, in Proverbs chapter 4, they help you to gain insight. That Your parents' instructions make you wise. They help you to understand things, and they help you to know. And third, in, Pro in Ephesians chapter 6, it shows us that we can have an expectation for God's promises in obeying our parents that it may go well with you, and that you may live in the land. But Paul shows us here in Colossians chapter 3 that there is an even greater gift that we can get for obeying our parents. For this pleases the Lord. 
And that is our greatest goal that we can possibly have. Because when we obey our parents, and notice the little thing Paul sneaks in there, in everything, right? We don't get to pick and choose. Okay, I do want this command to be obeyed. I don't want this one. We obey all of them. But then we do it so that God may be pleased with us. Because there is no better end to our efforts than for God to be glad for what we do and how we listen to our parents. So if you obey your parents in everything, you can please the Lord. What a great goal that you have. So if we can please God because we can obey. Ian Greer is going to come up now and read our next passage for us. I'll be reading from Mark chapter 9, verse 36 through 37. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. All right. Mark chapter 9. In this story, Jesus has to correct his disciples. And so it begins with a little bit more context. And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and he called the twelve. And he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And then he takes a child, which we just read. So, first we have a problem. The disciples were arguing about who was greater. Am I better than him? Am I better than him? Am I more powerful? Am I more important? Am I going to be in charge of him in the kingdom of Jesus Christ? But when Jesus noticed that they're talking, he asks them what they're talking about, and they fall silent, which I think every parent in here knows that's a bad sign, right? If you ask your kids, what are you talking about, and they fall silent, that means they, don't, they shouldn't be talking about that thing. And I think that the disciples knew that they shouldn't have been talking about that thing uh, that they were conversing about. But Jesus knows what is on the hearts of those around him. Pride has gripped the disciples and distracted them from how they should be thinking about the kingdom of heaven. This is the worldly way to be thinking about things. Am I the most important? Am I the most powerful? Who will I be in charge of? These are the wrong questions to consider in the kingdom of God. But the disciples are caught up in this. And all of us can easily be caught up in this same temptation. Pride is a common temptation to all of us. Where we elevate ourselves too much, it can grab onto us, and it can take hold of us, and it has the disciples here. So Jesus teaches a little bit about pride here with a phrase that gets repeated quite a bit. If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. This is a hard teaching to live by, isn't it? To put ourselves last, to put others first, above ourselves and in front of ourselves. I know people who, when there was a line to get a meal, they would not get in any place in line besides the last because they thought that's how they would apply this verse. And I'm not sure that's the only way to apply this verse, or maybe even the best way. But the best way to apply this verse is to view yourself as a servant to everyone. We need to put others' needs above our own. And Jesus himself was the greatest example of this, wasn't he? Jesus could have said, I did not come down from heaven to be served, but to serve in this moment. He could have said, 
something about the cross, that I'm about to be the greatest possible example of this to you, and that I am going to serve all of humanity by my sacrifice on the cross, that I am going to serve everyone in the most extreme possible way. But he didn't. And so in yet another story, Jesus shows us that children are a great way for us to look at him. He uses a child as an example. Jesus wants us to look at children and to see them as a reminder for putting others above ourselves. This is for all of us, by the way. That when we look and we see young ones in, around us, we should be reminded of Jesus. And we should be reminded of the powerful opportunity that we have to serve each other, to put ourselves last and others first. And so, Jesus elevates this goal for us. Because what does he say? He puts this child in the midst of them, and he says, whoever receives a child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Jesus has shown us that when we care for the children around us in his name, we are receiving Jesus into ourselves. We are receiving God the Father, and I can't think of a higher goal for us this morning. That as the school year starts, this responsibility is not just, okay, go, be good, have fun, remember Jesus as you go to school. This is a reminder for all of us that we are called to serve, and we are called to be there for those around us and especially these children around us. So what a blessing that Jesus has given us that we can know him by doing something for our youngest friends and family members. Jesus shows us how to serve. This focused lesson on children should teach us a few things. First, children are important in the eyes of God. Our world may think that children are an inconvenience, something to be tolerated, something that is not ideal in their lives. Of course, that doesn't speak for everyone, but that is a prevailing thought among many in our world. But we should keep our perspective to align with God's perspective on children, that they are valuable, they are useful, and they are worth serving in every way that we can. And for all of us, that is a useful reminder coming into the school year that we can be an encouragement so that Jesus may reign in their lives as he does in ours. So that is our lesson for today. I hope all of us can be an encouragement to the children here at Castleberry so that they can live in godliness during this school year and onward. Levi Merle is going to lead us in prayer, and then after that we're going to have a song before some closing remarks. Let's pray. Dear God and Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for letting us all come here today and worship you. And please help us at school and really anywhere. Please help us have the strength to keep walking on your path and help us encourage others and teach them about the good news. Please help people that are sick and struggling. Please help them get well soon. And please help people that are traveling. Please help them get to their destination safely and back. And thank you for sacrificing your one and only son to die on the cross to save us from our sins. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.